this is the Corner to Calm podcast. In 2017, I realized my personal life was completely at odds with my professional life. I am now on a journey to speak with entrepreneurs, community leaders, and beyond to discover what motivated them to make the change, what motivated them to move from corporate to calm. Hello everybody, you're very welcome to today's episode of Corporate to Cam, where I'm going to be speaking with John Murray from John Murray Headshots. John's main aim in life is to bridge that gap between how you see yourself and how the world views you. Take it away, John. I'm John Murray. I'm a headshot photographer, a bit of a weirdo. I mix human behavioral sciences and photography. People think I'm the crack um, and they like to ask me to do podcast interviews, I suppose. Do they? <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes, they interesting. do. <laughs> And come here, um, we will talk about that in a second, but um, we're going to just fire straight into um, where you started your career. What, what led you to John Murray Headshots? Oh, quite a story. Um, initially, I had tickets to a comedy show and a guy named Larry the Cable Guy, he does the voice of Mater in the Cars movies, but he's like their kids movies and his comedy is not exactly for kids um he's a bit of like an american hillbilly frankie boyle but he had cancelled his show and i was going out with a girl at the time i was about we were not seeing eye to eye at the time um and i was always playing with her camera and she basically bought me he cancelled his show and she bought me a new camera out of the money that she had spent on the tickets for the show um, because it was a birthday present that she felt guilty and then we broke up and the camera sat in the drawer for a long time and it was only a neighbour of mine a guy named Barry who's a photographer and he used to shoot at events and concerts and stuff like that um, fantastic photographer but he I got chatting to him one day. I had taken the camera out and went up to a train station. I was taking weird photographs of stairs and anything abstract. Um, and that was it, really. I kind of learned a little bit about Photoshop and a bit about how to use the camera a bit better from him. And I was terrified to photograph people in the beginning because every time I did, they told me they looked fat and old and ugly and they hated the photographs. And I felt like it was my responsibility and I'd caused that. I'd made them feel that way. Um, so I just wouldn't photograph people. And when I start going out with my now wife, Vivian, um, she had a young niece. I had a young niece and I used to take photographs of them because it was comfortable and they wouldn't say anything because they couldn't. Yeah. Um, and then I started to get volunteered for fo- like the photograph stuff by my mom. Like, you know, it was Oh, John has a big black camera. He'll take photographs of your kids. Uh, John has a big camera. Can I stop you and ask you what make camera was it? It was, back then it was a Nikon. It was a Nikon D60, I think. Um, It was black and it had a black lens and it looked cool and professional. And, (laughs) you know, that qualified me to do everything that my mom volunteered me to do. Um, I even, she even volunteered me to photograph a wedding. Um, that's the true story as well. There's nothing like the the um, support of your mom, the pride of your mom. Oh yeah, yeah will like, do that. <laughs> thinks he can do everything, you know. Oh, sunshine's out his arse. Let's he'll get him to do that. Like so, I did, and I went and photographed the wedding. Now they were delighted with the results. The images now, if I look back on them, I kind of think they looked like they belonged in a press release or something like that. 
you know, the cheesy kind of photo call photographs, semi-naked models on Grafton Street holding up, <laughs> I don't know, coffees and cheese or something. I um, but they love the pictures and sure, I did it for next to nothing as well. Um, I did it for like a regular day's wage. Uh, realized then that it was three weeks of work in a wedding. But um, yeah, no, I used to do a lot of weddings then and it kind of developed through that. And I ended up photographing Miss Ireland's and I, magazine work and magazine covers. And it kind of developed and kept developing. And then you know, I was lucky enough to train with Peter Hurley. He's the top headshot photographer in the world. And it kind of changed the way I do everything. It, it changed the way I feel about images. It changed the way I approach taking photographs. It changed the way I approach people. Um, and since then, I haven't really looked back. The behavioral sciences side of it is just something that has been injected into the business as we went along because it started off just telling people, sure, you're not supposed to like yourself in photographs. You know, if, if you do, you're vain. Yeah. And then it was like, well, hold on. The whole thing is that you don't look like you in the mirror. Um, and you're looking for something to tell you why you don't look like you. And you pick that one thing in your face you don't like. And, it developed because of a connection Peter had with a late corporate psychologist. Um, they couldn't get themselves in the same place. And it was now, I suppose, it'd all be run over Zoom. Yeah. But um, they put this psychotology thing together where they were going to look at the psychological implications of having your photographs taken, where that relates to imposter syndrome and all of the other bits and pieces. So um, where you see yourself and the things that you do for yourself, how you hold yourself back, how you push yourself forward. Um, and eventually they went, actually, this is not going to work because we can't kind of keep ourselves in the same place. Um, and then I was left holding the baby, I suppose. Like I was the only one with the, the kind of knowledge and the qualifications to keep that going. So and um, that you move from a, 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 you're a wedding photographer to this. I was uh, not so much as the wedding photographer, I was photographing everything. Right. You know, it was, I was photographing food. I was photographing weddings. I was photographing like fashion jobs, shooting stuff for Giacomo and Debenhams and, um, for the Sunday World magazine. I was doing a lot of that stuff. Um, and it was just, I was photographing everything, everything and absolutely anything. And, and did I didn't find, really. I, I just, did you find that photographing was easier to photograph people that wanted to be photographed, you know, rather than regular people? So, you know, the way you were saying you were avoiding. Um, yeah, I know. Like, I, I got rid of that. Yeah. Like, photographing weddings is like one of those things that if, if you're any way good at it, like it was, I just had to crack when I went and was messing around at weddings and stuff. That was it. It was 14 hours of me just bouncing around like Tigger being mad and everybody seemed to laugh and enjoy it and they didn't really care about the photographs then in the end it was like oh my god they're actually really cool yeah um it just turns out it was because they have genuine reactive expressions it's not like they're posed or they're faking it and i didn't really realize that until afterwards i just knew if i'm they don't care about the images and what they look like if i'm good crack you know and it was just that interaction i knew i wanted genuine reactive um expressions Sometimes you get them in the studio, you get parents coming in with their kids and like the father's elbowing the child in the face saying, look happy, this has caused me a fortune. And I hated that. I absolutely hated it because there was no real connection to the images. There was no real kind of love in them. So I kind of shied away from that a lot. And then I had these notions I was going to be this fantastic fashion photographer. And then I realized that I don't want to do that because it was all air kisses and false promises. You know, it was, that industry is 
very plastic. Right. It's very fake. And I did a lot with makeup academies. I did a lot with model agencies and stuff like that. And just didn't want to do it anymore. And But it was the industry I was in. So it was kind of a, you have to do it. Yeah. Um, and I suppose the psychological side of it as well. Like I struggled with self-image for years. I smashed my teeth in when I was a kid. Mm. Um, I had a weird brace that looked like wet bread across my teeth for a long time. You know, and it was a temporary brace because I was back in the dental hospital basically every Thursday as a kid. Um, all through secondary school, was bullied. I didn't. I just struggled with self-image, with not only the physical self-image, but who I was as an identity as well. And I think all of that kind of combined to wanting to make people feel better in their own skin. And I was working in Bank of Ireland, private banking, um, shooting all their corporate team. And there's a guy, Mick, that used to assist me. And he said, look, you're coaching everybody individually. Why don't you just do all the coaching bit beforehand and then you can shoot more people? Yeah. So do a bit of a talk or something beforehand. And I said, yeah, grand, whatever. And then I did for another job I don't know if it was in there but I did the talk beforehand and it was all about kind of self-image and self-acceptance and everybody was really engaged with it. and when they walked in front of the camera instead of me spending 10 or 12 minutes with each person I was some of them was getting in three or four images because they already trusted me and it didn't need to warm up to that so they already had a kind of a, a sense of trust towards what I was doing and why I was doing it and they just engaged straight away and it was very quick to coach them through and go, look, we're four images from the start to the end here. Like, this is what you think you look like. This is what you actually look like to everybody else. Yeah. And like, oh my God, that's so cool. So that's just the way it developed and it's kind of stuck like that. So a lot of the time I'll go into like LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Hertz, eBay, Northern Trust or any of those places and I'll do a talk first to well it used to be to kind of 30 40 50 60 people 100 people 120 people and they'd stand there they listen most of the teams that go off and then i'd photograph everybody individually then um like about 30 people for the day yeah and yeah it was that's still the way i do things like i'll, I'll talk at conferences and stuff and i'll shoot somebody live on the stage as well at the end just as kind of proof that people don't know what they look like yeah um so i kind of developed into that and then me doing talks without shooting people and me shooting people without doing talks that's all still going on you know well it's not going on now at the moment because we're still in lockdown but um yeah that's the kind of the way it developed it's kind of organic i'm a bit of a weirdo like i don't even wear a watch i just live on farmer time i do whatever feels good and it, it just the progression was more yeah that makes sense rather than i'm going to change the world you know it was it was just kind of a yeah, whatever. I'm a leaf floating down a stream. I'll end up in the sea somewhere, and you know, wherever I end up, I end up going to take whatever path takes me. So, just, uh, call, I think, you, just call you Rainbow. Is that it? Like you're kind of just. Saying, <laughs> I'm just. Um. Oh, what's her name? Becky Bristow. She's the CEO of Dogs Trust. She was in the studio there before Christmas, and she was saying that she was on a call with her mentor like she has a mentor and she was she used to work with chartered accountants and she's saying that um he said like you know what's your goal strategy and stuff and she said i don't have a goal strategy i co-create with the universe and i just i laughed because the two of us are very similar and i said that's the way i am i wouldn't put words on it like that i just do whatever 
And yeah. if something comes along and it's shiny and it seems like a good idea, I do it. If it makes me feel good, I don't do anything I don't want to do anymore. I like I like that. I like that. Say say no to stuff you don't want to do and say yes to yeah. everything else. Exactly. I met where I first met you and you were doing a talk and you were saying oh, networking that, summer. Yeah, you got this guy up and it was like, I can do it in six shots. So I can see where you're saying if you have you speak to people and you can do it in three or four. But like what is it? Is it powerful to you? Like, is that your motivation that you can show people the difference between A and B, where they started and where they began in that process? Like, because that took three minutes and your man changed from <laughs> yeah. mangy to fabulous. <laughs> yeah, like, it is interesting. Like, it, it's, I don't know what my motive, I think my motivation is the fact that I was bullied and all of the other stuff. And there's, there's a want in me to do better for other people. Joseph McGuire describes my hairline as a, um, what is it? A savior of man. That's the ancient Chinese thing is uh, this kind of 3000 year old Mian Chang and like physiognomy and stuff. They look at that, the, 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 sh- the shape of the hairline. Um, it's the, the want to do better for other people, to, yeah. to stand up for other people and to have it within you to kind of take the lead and say, hold on, this is not right. Um, the fact that I struggled with self-image for so long, I think it's a whole pile of things. I'm very empathetic as well. Um, like I'm an empath. And I think all of that stuff all together is the want within me to make other people feel good about themselves. And I have the facilities and the tools to do that, psychological and physical. And they're both joined very, very they're joined hand in hand through the photography so i think that's the motivation rather than anything else but you know you see these asmr videos and somebody's out and they're cleaning their driveway and you see the results straight away yeah i think i don't do we have patience i have to i have got patience but i know i can do it very quickly and i can show somebody with evidence very quickly the difference between what they think they look like and what they actually look like to everybody else and then encourage them to think about themselves and how they look at themselves how they feel about themselves how they as humans interact with other people and their environment the world around them in like their job everything else that that, that kind of circumnavigates them um i think they like they get to think about that a little bit differently and i I can do that very quickly. Um, and I think that's one of the other drivers. It's like that ASMR thing. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. This is when you're terrible and your driveway is dirty. And now I'm going to clean it. And I'm going to show you stuff really quick. So it's it's not like a, a friend, Janice. Uh, Janice Knight, she's the HR director for, she's the head HR for uh, Bidvest Noonan. She was like the head of coaching, global head of coaching for hertz and all these places and yeah. ebay but she said that she was in the states and they're big into the headshots over there so they brought some headshot photographer in and he took about 200 photographs of her in 10 minutes and then just went pick one right that doesn't work for me you know i might have somebody in the studio for an hour and i might take 10 photographs because i spend the rest of the time running my mouth off yeah and um, and just having chats with them but it's me picking off stuff about them and studying them physically now not like how they move i'm not like watching stuff looking for something specific it's the way they move and then i know how i need to recreate that and put in the put in what i do 
because the technology fa- has failures in it. Like, you know, the you have to add in loads of light and you have to understand the, the length of the lens and the way that the sensor and the camera and stuff like that works and how they need to stand and how they need to move to re- recreate something they did. <clears throat> Excuse me. But for the camera. Um, so I just make them do that and they get to see themselves as they really are. And I think that's motivation. Like sometimes you get big moments where people burst into tears because either through stress before I take photographs or when they do see themselves and they realize they're not as ugly or as weird or as demented looking as they thought they were. Um, And like the likes of doing it at the end of a talk, which, which is good fun. But sometimes that goes pear shaped and it's yeah. like, that's just the challenge and the fun of it. Like I did a talk in chartered accountants and at the end I was like, any volunteers? And eventually this guy came up um, and when he did walk up, he looked like a young Paul Newman. He had a great face and I was like, oh, you're easy to shoot. You have a great face. So the whole idea is, you know, it's not like I take a photograph and this is when you were shit and this is when I made you amazing, right? It's not like that. It's it's not like a before and after thing. It's just evidence that the camera and the technology have failures in it and we need to correct that. Um, and he stood in front of the camera and I took one photograph of him and everybody in the room clapped. The picture was amazing. I was going, oh my God, Jerry, you're to screw me up, man. What am I going to do? There's like 90 accountants in this room. I'm supposed to show how I'm going to make you incredible in front of the camera. You do that in your first image. Now, I corrected his posture. I did one or two little things, and it kind of tweaked the image to get a little bit better. So we did it in two images. Um, and sometimes that happens. And sometimes it's the very first image, and you just go, get out, whatever. Get out. <laughs> That's why I say that you didn't pick me that day, because I was just going to be so fabulous. So I did, you didn't, I didn't, didn't What did I say? I... <laughs> Didn't, I, I asked a question or something and somebody stuck their hand up and I was like, victim, get up here. Because <laughs> if you ask for volunteers, they don't come up. So you ask a question and when a hand goes up to answer the question, it's like, victim, get up here, you. Um, I yeah. heard you. Does anybody ever walk in you're like, I'm never getting this shot? Now, not because of how they look or anything like that, but because of a, you, you mentioned trust. But I mean, I think trust goes both ways. So if you don't trust them when they come in, do you, do you ever have you ever experienced that? No, I think I've always gotten what I wanted. Like I've always gotten them. Um, sometimes it takes them a little bit of time to completely warm to the idea of that is them. I can usually do it in the studio. I've had one or two people that have left, and they're like, "I get it," and it, like it's great. And then weeks later, I get an email going, "You know." I'm, really like that image now like i really do love it um it took me time to warm to it because it's unusual to see myself properly um sometimes i've never not got somebody which is a bit of a gift in itself yeah um it's happened once where a lady was in the studio and i was photographing her and she'd shown me images of herself that her previous headshot it needs to be on a white background it needs to be this it needs to be that it needs to be there i was like okay grand she booked in at like seven o'clock in the evening for an hour session and we were shooting her and everything seemed to be wrong like no matter what we did oh, these images are great yeah her expression is great everything's great and she's looking at the images going no no i have a piece of hair that's sticking out to the side i was like my retouch will take that off it's fine it's only like 
literally a second's worth of a job. Um, just to balance it out. No, no, no. And I even went into Photoshop and I took the thing out and I was like, here, look. No, no, no. I was like, oh my God. And the way light works. So in the studio, we have the lights on the, the subject and we have another set of lights that fire against the background. So that makes the background white. Even though it's a white sheet, it's a white board. It still needs, light needs to go from the lights to the background and all the way up to the camera to make that bright. So they need to be brighter than the person that's in front. Um, and one of the lights in the background didn't fire and the background came out grey. And she's like, actually, I really like that. Now, she was supposed to be in the studio for an hour at seven o'clock in the evening. This was 10 to nine and we're still oh, working yeah. together. Um, and she's like, oh, actually, I really like that. What? And because of her kind of it has to be white, it has to, you didn't even go there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It was just the fact that one of the lights, they yeah. call it recycle time. So when you take a photograph, a couple of photographs together, maybe one of the lights won't fire. It needs to recharge because it's flash. Um, yeah. We don't really use them that much. We don't use those ones anymore. But um, yeah, there's this grey background come up and she's like, actually, I really like that. You could have told me that two hours ago. <laughs> and, um, and then we start getting her look straight away. And every single image then was her really comfortable and confident in herself. Using all the tools that I'd given her over the last two hours. And like I'd have probably said to her, look, this is not working. You know, you need to figure out what it is you want. And that's grand. Um, and we'll do it again. And I won't charge you for the session or whatever. And we'll, we'll rework it. Like I was kind of getting to that stage where I was thinking that was going to happen. But all of a sudden, all of the tools I'd given her over the previous two hours, she was using in every single image. Great expressions, the whole lot. She loved the images all on these gray backgrounds. And then what she said was that she had put on a little bit of weight since the last time she had headshots done. And the other headshots were four years ago. And it took her about six months to actually like the previous headshots because she just didn't like them. And then all of a sudden she did like them and now she does like them. So it took her a long time to warm to the old images. And then all of a sudden, you know, she was expecting my images straight away when she walked into the studio to be better, which they were. Um, but technically they were better. But it took her the time that she was in the studio to actually warm to the images and to get to like the images and to like herself in the images. Um, so that's but a that really th- good result. That the fact that she took six months to like the first session. Yeah. You know, it's... Now, it was frustrating at the time. And, and sometimes you get people into the studio who won't listen to you. Right. Well, that answers your question a little bit better. Where they'll come in and they'll pout and they'll do all the kind of stupid poses and stuff and they'll do duck lips and they'll do everything else. And you're like, don't do that. I want you to be you. Yeah. Uh, but they're so used to doing these androgynous faces that actors and models tend to do that they want that. And you're like, well, hold on. Trust me to do what it is that I do and I will, you know, I'll show you. And Sometimes you have to say to people, look, give me three images yeah. and do exactly what I say. And then I'll show you the difference. And then we can do, we can spend the rest of the, whatever amount of time you're in the studio doing what you want. Right. Uh, yeah, grand. And then once they do what I'm telling them to do, they're like, actually, hold on. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, of course. Um, it came once I had to tell somebody, look, if you don't, you're not getting what you want. Because you're faking it. 
you need to do what I'm telling you. Like, if this isn't working, it's not working for either of us because, like, if it's not working for you and you're not getting what you think you want because you can't see yourself, you don't know what you're doing on front of camera. I do because I can see it and I'm telling you what you need to do. But if you're not going to do it, then we're not going to get the results that we want out of the session. So I'll just give you your money back and you can leave. Yeah. And it was, I think that kick in the teeth, that was a guy and eventually he went, okay, look, I said, and the same kind of thing, give me three images where you do what I tell you to do, the way I tell you to do it. And then we'll see if the results are what you were looking for. And of course they were like all that time, you know, and sometimes you just need to get people out of their own head and, you know, that's, showed them and of course then it was like oh my god yeah this is exactly what i wanted yeah i know like they come in with a big long list i want to look confident and i want to look strong and i want to look powerful and like a big long list as long as your armor stuff that they want and then it eventually comes down to you want to look competent confident and approachable yeah oh and i like the laughing pictures on your website so we can get one of them in it as well yeah that'd be great (laughs) yeah yeah, you're grand. Um, the big picture that um, I suppose pe- people who know you know you for is um, that lovely picture of that older gentleman. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Because I think that's a really great story. Yeah. Um, that was taken on the shortest day of the year in 2013. I was photographing a wedding and myself and Dave like they got married at like one o'clock in the afternoon. By the time we came out of church, it was dark. Um, we'd gone down and we were trying to bulk out the the day because they didn't really. They're very easy going. They didn't really want to. Photo- they're like, ah, oh, no, you have to hire two photographers. We have to take photographs of something. Like, um, so what we decided to do was in the hotel. We'd set up a mini studio. So on one side of the studio, Dave was photographing all the women under this massive, big, glowy light. Um, and on the far side, I was photographing all the men under this. It's the size of a dinner plate. It's called a beauty dish. I don't know why they call it a beauty dish because it shows up every wrinkle, every flaw. It's um, an inner beauty dish. <laughs> yeah, your inner beauty dish. So I was shooting all the men with this really contrasty light. And that's how we were kind of bulking out. We were going to be there until one o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning. So look, we were getting all these people in individually. We were photographing them all individually. And he walked in. Um, I'd gotten some really cool images and he came in and he kind of looked like Frank Sinatra a little bald head in him and he was with his daughter and I'd taken a photograph and it was really cool and his daughter said can we stick his hat on he looks like a gangster I said yeah they all had these fedora hats so we stuck the hat on they went off searching for the hat and then he came back in and he came back in with the hat on his head and I just tweaked the hat very slightly to the side and just slightly forward just to add a little bit of character because it was kind of sitting perfectly flush on his head. Um, and I lifted the camera and I looked through the lens and uh, it was a Canon 1DX, a big heavy camera. I hadn't got it mounted to a tripod. And when the lens on it is this 85 mil 1.2, so that means nothing to anybody other than photographers. Um, <laughs> it's just a massive ball of glass. It's like a crystal ball. Um, and it takes so long for the lens to rotate around and focus that you really have to have patience. And I waited and I could feel the glass roll around. Like, And when I hit the button, the image came up on the back of the camera and I could see Dave looking across the room at me and I had a smile on my face. 
And I looked up at Brian, the old guy, and he said, am I done? Because he did point to Guinness in his hand. I said, yeah, you're done. And he walked off and Dave could see the look on my face. And he came running across the room, just abandoned some 90-year-old Ellen sitting in the seat. <laughs> and he came over and he called me every name under the sun. Um, oh, you're an asshole. You're this, you're that, you're the other. So I went home after the wedding and that image was still sitting in my head and I wanted to do something with it. I wanted to see it because the camera doesn't see what we see. That's why we use the likes of Photoshop and technology to yeah. draw extra detail out. Um, so I put it into Photoshop and I edited it and brought it up to like what humans see. And when I did, I just kind of sat staring at it and I sent it off to a guy in Canon. Um, I was an ambassador for Canon at the time. So I sent it off to them and I said, here, what do you think of this? Not thinking too much. Woke up the following morning, the images everywhere, absolutely right. everywhere. Every Canon website had it. Every Canon social media page had it. Um, then it ended up winning photo- um, portrait of the year from uh, Gamut magazine and Strobox magazine. And then on the Christmas Day, it was featured on lots of websites and stuff like that because it was only taken four days before Christmas. So, um, and it kind of changed the way. I do things, you know, it changed the relationships I have because people are standing six feet in front of me, five, six feet in front of me. And that's it. Like it's, it's that relationship that I have with them is very intimate now because of that image and because of how that image was taken and, and how it was done. So I don't use that. Was that like, had you planned on doing the, the, that uh, course? Um, well, you said you did that in 2014, but or or did well, when I trained with Peter, um, not really. It was just kind of floating down the stream, you know. It was it was another thing that came up, and it was another opportunity. It was something I was offered. Do you want to go train with Peter early? Yes, I do. Yeah, so I did. Um, and now it was only texting do you, do you the other day. Do you think it was because of that image? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Like definitely, like it, it's 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 one of those things, and I talk about it a lot, and I feature the image in a lot of stuff, and it's seven foot wide on the wall at home. Yeah, Vivian hates it because he follows you around the room, like <laughs> seven foot Mona Lisa. Like, I'm um, going to use that <clears throat> image to promote this podcast. <laughs> cool, everybody can see what we're talking about. But yeah, no, it did, and I'd like to think that I got better since then, you know. But it's just one of those images that I had a connection with him, and he had a connection with me, and the camera was invisible. Yeah. Um. And it was only afterwards and, and after training with Peter that I realized the camera visibility is the only, that is the biggest tool in the box. Like making sure that they, they don't even see the camera. Like most people that come into the studio kind of forget the camera's there. Yeah. Um, so that camera invisibility is, is that kind of term that Peter uses. And it is such a vital thing. It's my connection with him. Despite the fact that the camera was between me and him, it, he was still making eye contact with me, even though the camera was in the way. Right. Make, make sense yeah and that's why people connect to the image and that's why because every time you look at that image empathy leads you to connect with him you know in the same way that i connected with him you're feeling exactly what i was feeling when i was looking at him and he was looking at me you're feeling you're feeling my position in that it's the same with any of my images you're feeling what i was feeling at the time that photograph was taken because that's what empathy is and actually talking about um connection and that's a huge thing in my opinion for 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 I look at you and you are always talking at, to the camera 
You're always talking. I like to I pause after. at the camera. <laughs> I, said it better. I like to pause after talking. You're always talking. <laughs> Thanks for qualifying that. A little bit of a delay. I was going to say at the camera and then I said to the camera. Um, but I always think for, for me now, you're always telling it like it is. I suppose I've, I've shared a couple of your, your um, posts in the past. Um, is you seem to have um, a great connection to nobody. I don't mean that in a bad, you know what I mean? Like you just sit there and, and it's, it's the connection <laughs> to everybody and nobody, if you know what I mean. And um Tell me about that because, like, do you have any tips? I know that you've got, um, but it, people kind of speak into the void sometimes, and you're kind of going, I hear what, I, but when you speak, it's kind of, oh, yeah, what's he going to say now, kind of thing. Yeah, when I, I only did this the other day, last week I posted onto all of my social media channels, all of them at the same time, ask me anything, and loads of people ask me about shooting videos, yeah, um. Like you're all your look. Somebody called me Mr. Confidence and stuff like that in my videos. Um, Simon Tyler in the UK, and I, I started off. I used to lock myself in the spare room at home and make sure nobody was home, and then I'd mumble into the camera because I knew nobody was able to hear me. Same in the studio. I used to stand in the studio and I'd talk really monotonously to the camera and just kind of get whatever was in my head out. And then I just desensitized myself to it. I just kept going. I kept yeah. doing it. And the more I did it, the more connected I got to doing it. So it was, it's kind of thinking out loud. That's really all it is. I don't have a hamster on the wheel in my head. I have a meerkat and he just tends to look and his head is bobbing around all over the place, you know? Um, so it's yeah, whatever. I think that's why we get up because I'm like the same. I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to pay for counseling, but you know what? I'll go on Instagram and have a chat. And, th- and tell everybody, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, just tell everybody. Fuck it. Somebody's listening. Like, um, what about facing the camera? Is there any angles? Like, what, what would you say? So into sunlight, out of sunlight? Um, have the camera. I have light behind the camera if you can. So, like, when I'm shooting these videos at home, sometimes what I'll do is I'll just get, I have a car mount. You know, the win- window sticker mount thing yes. for your car. Um, I just get that sticking on the window at home and then I put the phone on it because essentially outside is behind the thing so i'm getting lit from the light outside right um i do have lights at home in the in the uh, in the office at home and then i use lights obviously in the studio as well so having them behind the camera helps because it's lighting you up and it's making sure you're not a silhouette with a window behind you yeah um audio if you can add a microphone in it's great you know a little lapel mic or something you get them online for 10 like 10 euro you plug it into the side of your phone. You can shoot these videos on your phone. I shoot a lot of my videos on my phone. Yeah. Um, even in the studio, I, put, like, I have a mount for my phone on the top of a, a, car, a light stand. And I just stick the phone onto that and stick the microphone into the side when I remember the microphone. And I just ramble off at the camera. But make sure to look at the lens of the camera as well. Very easy to look at yourself. And you're kind of staring off at your own face. But if you right. remember or even put a sticker over where the lens is, Looking they're not the on the lens, they're yeah. just above it. Yeah. And you look directly at it. Draw a little smiley face on it if you need to, to remind you. And then just keep talking at that because that means you're making eye contact with the people who are looking at the image or looking at the video. Very good. Um, and just, yeah, don't be afraid to speak up. Like Speak up, speak out. Speak as if you were trying to tell one of your friends this story in the pub or something. You know, and that's the sort of thing that people relate to, because you have to understand that if you're talking on camera and you're talking as if you talk to your 
I don't know, one of the kids or something, you're just saying, here, this is what's happening. You know, I think it's a bit depressing, but it's a bit sad or whatever, or it's a bit stressful, but look, it is what it is. That tone doesn't really do anything for anybody watching the video. So you need to articulate, you need to be up and down. Um, so make your points by raising your tone or dropping your tone and like whatever you're talking about, just talk at the camera and then raise your voice mm-hmm. and give yourself plenty of time as well. There you go. Thank you. Um, tell me something (laughs) tell me something about you that people may not know Um, things about me that people may not know I was on stage with Michael Jackson in 1992 in Lansdowne Road singing Heal the World Uh, my school was very close to Lansdowne Road and they had said they picked the boys school and the girls school and I got to go on stage holding a girl named Martina Fitzpatrick's hand and I think I found out what a crush was at that stage. I was, in, I was like 10. Uh, I grew up in the city centre in Dublin. I grew up like in a working class area. Um, I don't fit the norm for everybody down there. You know, like they're all like working, building jobs or they're taxi drivers. Some of them are on the dole and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, my brother's a barrister. None of us fit in to that kind of mold. My sister's gone back to college to train as a digital animator. Like after having a hairdressing business for years, we champion creativity as well as my parents did. My dad worked in RTE. So um, a lot of his friends are people like Phelan Drew and you know, Brendan Grace and stuff like that, you know, so we'd have been. I never knew that. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. It, that's a nice way to, to cultivate create creativity. All right. It was just, it was championed because that's what my dad was around all the time. And, it was just, we lived a fairly normal life, but it, with these kind of flurries of what people would class as extraordinary. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything too wild that people don't know about me because I've said them all in videos before. Well, that's <laughs> like true. I'm always talking about this stuff. <laughs> you might have repeated them as well. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, there's nothing really that people don't know about me because I put so much of myself out there. I hear you know, you. we talk about it all the time openly. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, so at Corporate to Calm, we are all about taking the risk and creating your own happiness. Now, you've said that you're you're like a leaf in a stream and you yes, 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 yes. No, no, no. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who's about to open their own business or jump <clears> off the cliff into happiness? whatever makes you happy you should be doing if you are from Docky and you want to be a gangster rapper rapping about how much your parents loved you you should be doing it it doesn't really matter what it is that you want to do when I was saying that I was only going to shoot headshots from now on that was it you know it was like I'm, I'm going down that line everybody told me all sorts of photographers told me I was crazy you can't make any money doing that you can't do this and you can't do that and not to say up yours but like ta-da um, you know, if you genuinely have a love for what you're going to do or what you're doing, it doesn't really matter. People will engage with that. They're engaging with the energy of it. They're engaging with the fact that you love it. They're engaging with your positivity. I talk a lot about this hormone wheel. So you read books like The Secret and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, if I do this, I'll manifest a Ferrari and I'll wake up in the morning and be go-go dancers outside my house piss off that stuff doesn't work but i know why 
the secret works. And I put it down to, and it's evidence-based. Everything that I do is evidence-based. It's not about this kind of fantastical ideas of manifestation and all that. Right, that's great. Look, I point myself in a direction. I don't set goals. I don't write goals down, none of that stuff. I just point myself in a direction, and I'll end up where I end up. Um, So the whole thing is that if you're walking around and you're full of happy hormones, good hormones, positive hormones, like, self, like things that you get from self-belief, from knowing your direction, knowing who you are. You stand taller. You have better posture. You have better facial posture. You you have all these happy hormones going around with inside you. So empathy leads other people to do what they see from you. They copy it. Because if you're happy, people are happy with you. If you're sad, people are sad with you. So all you're doing is you're engaging with people from a position of, I am confident and comfortable and I'm approachable and everything else. So people will give you the opportunities to do different things. They'll ask you to do things. You'll take on things like calculated risk or you'll take chances because you're full of belief in yourself that you can do it. All you're doing is you're making yourself full of happy hormones, happy, confident hormones. If you have stress hormones inside yourself and you're constantly doubting yourself or have don't have self-belief, all you're doing is you're balling yourself up you're walking around with a face on you like the smell of vinegar. You've no posture. You've no, you're not giving off anything to other people to say, trust him or trust her. And that's all it is. It comes down to the hormones inside of you. If you want to achieve anything in life, you have to have those happy hormones inside you and you can get them. So, and you can get them from believing in what you're doing. You can get them from speaking about what you're doing, telling everybody about what you do, how you do it. Um, and actually understanding what it is you do. Like if you're going to say I'm the managing director of a company or if you're going to say I'm an accountant or I'm whatever, that's not what you do. Like if you read the tagline on my LinkedIn profile, it says I travel the world teaching people to unconditionally love themselves and their faces. It doesn't say photographer because you can't just put labels on shit and expect it to do its thing. Some people, like it's understanding exactly what it is you do and I, like, I suppose, like the, the why thing, you know, that Simon Sinek thing, the golden circle. And he talks about knowing why you do it and doing it for why you do it. And then talking about how you do it and what you do. Like, because the other two are, they don't really matter. It's why you're doing it in the first place. If you're doing it because you genuinely believe it'll make people's lives better. And it's, it doesn't even come down to what you're doing for a living. You know, if, if, but that's what the question is about, I suppose. But, if you know the why, well, then everything else happens around that. And if you just stick to the why and you stick to understanding why you're doing it and telling people why you're doing it, well, then people will get on board with that. And no matter what it is you're going to do, you're going to be successful at it. Like, and I don't mean monetary successful. As long as you hold, like, the business could fail on its arse and you won't care because you're sticking to your morals. Um, I was at a business lunch in with BlackRock College didn't go to Blackrock College, got invited to this business lunch and Joe Schmidt was at it. And he was talking about what he talks about. He was, it was the day he retired from the IRFU and they were saying what he, he stood up there and he talked about his players and he said, not everybody wins all the time. Even the All Blacks don't win all the time. So we can get very hung up on the failures and, and the losses. But if you hold on to your values and if your values are the only thing that you're actually interested in, well, then you win every time. 
Um, and I think that's something that I really, really connected with because of the whole, the way I do my business and the way I run my business. Like I don't market, I don't do a Google ads. I don't do any of that sort of stuff. And like in 2019, I photographed five and a half thousand people, you know, like, all off the back of hell yeah. <laughs> no ads. I'm going to and, change your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. And it's like people telling you, Oh, you can't make money being a headshot photographer and only a headshot photographer. Well, speak to that like yeah you know and i don't i don't care about money i don't care about the amount of business that walks through the door i don't care about any of that sort of stuff i do it because i enjoy it and i do it because i really really love doing it yeah. and that's more important to me than absolutely anything else i get to make people feel happy and confident and comfortable in their own skin because i didn't feel that way when i was a kid yeah. um, and i think that's more important than anything else anything else anybody could ever make you want to do like it but that's whatever you're going to do in your business jumping off the cliff and going and doing it you know do it if it fails get a job go back to working what's the worst that can happen is that you have to go back with your tail between your legs and go well it didn't work out or try something new and that's it thank you and before we go my uh quick fire round for you couple of choices john couple of choices um, right. are you ready um <laughs> steak or kayak oh oh you cheeky bitch um <laughs> oh wow um i would oh uh kayak it has to be kayak like it's my my zen i can eat anything i do love steak i know really that. <laughs> but uh photography or kayak Kayak. Photography is a tool in my business rather than a hobby. Um, people always say to me, oh, well, you'd love going to that place. You know, you could bring your camera. Oh, Would you tell a plumber that he's going to love your pipes if he comes over to the house? You should see the pipes underneath my sink. Woohoo! Now, um, I used to love photography as a hobby, but now it's part of the business. It's just a tool that I use as the camera. So, kayak. Um, so, steak or photography? Steak. Yeah. Online or in studio? Uh, in studio. All day long in studio. Guinness or red wine? Depends. <laughs> um, go into your head. Come on. Go into my head. Guinness or red wine? Um, Guinness. Talking sense or shit stirring? <laughs> shit stirring all the time. <laughs> Uh, Joseph Maguire or Stephen Merton? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I hang myself here. Um, you don't have to answer. Joseph Maguire. Community or competition? Community. Do for the good of the village. Everybody benefits. Speaker or photographer? Speaker. Bendy kayaks or regular kayaks? Oh, cheeky. Um. Well, I do love my origami foldy kayaks, um, my Oru's. So, yeah, the Oru's because you can bring them anywhere. Okay. But it's, yeah. Canon, it's Canon or pla- Nikon? Canon. I shoot Canon. Rapids or smooth sailing? Um, smooth sailing. I think I'm getting too old for all this kind of bouncing off and throwing myself off waterfalls and, and rapids and stuff. Still do it, but. <laughs> Grogan's or Peter's Pub? Grogan's. Dermot or Dave? 
Oh. <laughs> oh. How do you pick between your friends? Uh, oh, uh, Dave. I know Dave longer. And Poor Dave is one. And Dave is... They're both incredibly intelligent. And like, like, listen, stop digging now. Stop digging. Dermot's stop digging. Yeah, yeah, Dermot's heard it. Uh, Dave, because I know Dave longer. You heard of her first, people. Um, where can people find you, John Murray? I'm currently sitting in my car, decided to broad Meadows Estuary, looking through a hedge. Um, they can find me everywhere. I'm all over social media because I'm a social media whore. Um, they can get me on johnmurrayheadshots.com. And on johnmurrayheadshots.com, you have links to all of my social um, platforms. So my Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Bebo. MySpace. MySpace. Is that really a thing anymore? Uh, the only thing that's not on there is my Oxygen social po- uh, profile because there's no link to that yet. Um, it's not linked to that. So uh, Ox is a new social media platform that I'm on. Um, and it's all about sharing videos and sharing things about, you know, just the way you do things and trying to help people grow and be cool and learn stuff about themselves and learn stuff about each other. And it's really cool. So. Oh, check it out oxygen check it out um and that's it john murray from john murray headshots thank you so much for being my latest and second guest on the corporate cam website thanks love thank you for listening to the corporate to cam podcast please subscribe leave a nice review or simply come back and listen to us next time i'm linda monaghan motivating you to make that leap from corporate to camp.